This is a word to us as a church, but I also believe this is a word for the church wider than us. I'm going to start with Proverbs 24. I'm just going to read verses 11 and 12. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. If you say, behold, we did not know this, does not he who wears the heart perceive it? Does not he who keeps watch over your soul know it? And will he not repay man according to his work? I have no illusions this morning. We are living in a world that is set on the course for perishing. People all around us, everywhere we go, lost to God, lost in sin, and their only future is the way of death, the way of perishing. And church, we can't say Behold, we did not know this. We can't. We see it all around us. The one who wears the heart, God, he knows it and he has made sure we know it too. One of the last words of Jesus before he ascended to heaven was the commission he gave to his disciples. Mark 16 verses 15 and 16. And there he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's the reality that we face today. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Listen, this isn't commentary. This isn't somebody else's theology. This isn't someone's interpretation of scripture. This isn't Paul talking about Jesus. These are the words of Jesus. These are the words of God. And I'm going to read them again. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. That's Jesus who said that. See, God knows the need. And we can't say, behold, we didn't know because he's told us. And the call to us as disciples of Jesus is very simple. Rescue the ones who are perishing. See, the way we think and the way we phrase things, the way we say things, changes how we think about them. It's, it's, it's you know, language, we shape language, but language shapes us as well. 
And terminology carries with it a lot of weight. And often we use the term the lost, the unreached, the unsaved. I think we need to revise our terminology a little bit. Those three things are all true. Absolutely. But I think in their saying, they dilute the dire situation that these poor people are in. They water down the urgency of the situation we feared. I think there's a different word we should be using, and it's this one. The perishing. The perishing. Because to me, that brings it home. Lost can sound a little vague. Perishing sounds urgent to me. They are those who are doomed to die. Those who are being taken away to death. Rescue the perishing. I think it's harder to shake that word off. That word stays with me a lot more. And we need to realize that is the state of those who do not know Jesus. And as we think of these people trapped in sin, trapped by the enemy, they can't see a way out. They, they don't know where to turn. They don't know how things in their lives will ever change. The Lord brought to mind a mission that took place 80 years ago to me. And you know when you just get something you can't shake it. Couldn't shake it. And I mentioned this very briefly when we were doing our vision at the start of the year. But it's, it's kind of not gone away since then. It's got bigger within me. Operation Dynamo was the code name for what we now call the miracle of Dunkirk. Over just the course of one week, this operation rescued 338,226 men who would have perished otherwise. These men were trapped, stuck on the coast, and there was no way out. They faced attacks from above. They faced attacks from all around them. Let me tell you, the situation for these men on that beach was dire. Their battle was lost. And the enemy was going to take them. Until somebody initiated a rescue mission. Over 800 vessels were assembled very quickly to meet this urgent need. Many troops were able to uh, get from the harbour onto the 39 British Royal Naval Destroyers, four Royal Canadian Naval Destroyers, and at least three French Naval Destroyers, and a host of civilian ships. But many couldn't get to these bigger ships. So this emergency call was put out for additional help. And by the 31st of May, nearly 400 small craft were voluntarily and enthusiastically taking part in this rescue mission. 
Some were picked up by these small boats that could get closer to the shore than the big boats and were ferried to the big ones. They became known as the little ships of Dunkirk, a flotilla of hundreds of merchant marine boats, fishing boats, pleasure crafts, yachts and lifeboats, all called into service to rescue the perishing. A special service that was attended by King George VI was held in Westminster Abbey on the 26th of May and they dedicated that day, dear me, a national day of prayer. The Archbishop of Canterbury led prayers for our soldiers in dire peril in France and prayers were prayed right throughout the day. Then just before 7pm on the day after, Operation Dynamo began. There had never been a fleet seen like this before or since. If you had a small boat, the call was on you to join in. To get people to safety, either into one of the larger ships or back home. They actually have one of the little ships of Dunkirk over in Hartlepool Marina. Saw it the other day. I don't know if anyone's been over there over the weekend, but it's, it's right there in the marina. This was known as the Coroina. Is that right? And <laughs> during the war it was renamed HMS Watchful. This little boat that now has a tea room on it <laughs> made three crossings over the channel and rescued, this, this little boat rescued 900 soldiers. 900 soldiers by that one little ship. This is a message to all of us. This is a message to the church. This is a message to individuals in churches. Those who are perishing don't have much time left. We don't know how long, but we can see the enemy is on the horizon. It's time for the church to start Operation Dynamo. Please don't let this be just another message. Please. It is time for action. This remarkable moment, this miracle of hundreds of people simply answering the call and going out there. They didn't talk about going. They didn't stay at home and study the German forces and give their opinions on it. They didn't say, well, <clears throat> it's their fault, they went to Dunkirk in the first place. What they did is they got their vessel, whatever they had, no matter the size of it, they made themselves available and they said, here I am, I'm ready, I'm going. And they went. They crossed the channel into the heat of battle, simply to rescue anybody they could. This call is the same call to us today. It's time to rescue those who are perishing. 
I really feel God is saying we need a spiritual Operation Dynamo. For there's multitudes who are in need of rescue. And what's more, we know them. We know them. Some of them are our relatives. Some of them are our friends, our neighbors. Some of them we just know enough to say hello to. All of them are perishing. Every conversation we have with these people, remember this, every conversation we have, they are on borrowed time. And without an intervention, without a rescue, their end is destruction. I'm sorry to say it like that, but let's not sugarcoat it. That's the situation. All of them are perishing. And the call to us today is, I don't care what vessel you've got. Whatever it is you have, are you willing to leave the place of safety and head into the heat of the battle? Are you ready to show the courage to step up? Even if you've not got much, to rescue some, any. You know, with Operation Dynamo, it began with a day of prayer. The king, the government, called the nation to pray. What an amazing thing that is. Just shows how far our nation's fallen. Because I can't believe that happening today. But I tell you this, and I believe this wholeheartedly, Operation Dynamo would not have succeeded without it. Because what they were attempting was madness. I believe it only succeeded because it had a foundation of prayer to build on it. And as we look ourselves to move and rescue the perishing, that same thing is true. We must pray. We must call churches and Christians to take prayer seriously. Do you know how we know whether we're taking prayer seriously? We turn up when it's time to pray. We need God to intervene. We need to pray for victory as we head out. Listen, when Nehemiah heard about the state of Jerusalem, his first instinct was not, got to fix that. His first instinct was prayer. Nehemiah 1.4 says this, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Nehemiah didn't rush into action. First he built a foundation on prayer. He didn't run ahead of God. First he committed the situation to God. He took action. Prayer has to be the foundation that we build on. 
But prayer has to be followed by action. It's all very well to say I'm praying, but if we don't do anything afterwards, we're not building on the foundation. If Nehemiah had prayed for Jerusalem and prayed and fasted and prayed and fasted, but had never approached the king and said something needs to be done, guess what? Nothing would have been done. He got involved by saying, I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to rebuild the walls. The key to this operation in Dunkirk was this. They used every ship they could. They didn't just rely on the big ships. It's okay, the big ships have got it covered. They used everything. The bigger ships were easier to hit. Has anyone seen the film Dunkirk? Where that big ship gets, it's terrifying. The bigger ships were bigger targets. They couldn't maneuver as fast. They couldn't get as close to the land. It takes all manner of ships and boats to get the job done. The little ships, the little boats made a difference. They were smaller and more numerous. They were able to get people into the bigger ships or take the people back themselves. Let me tell you, this is true for us and this is true for churches. We need small churches as well as big churches. What we really need is just churches who are on the mission. Because the smaller ones can reach the places sometimes the bigger ones can't. It is not about the size. It's about your willingness to get into the fight. Big churches are harder to maneuver. Small groups of people can adapt quickly. Sometimes they don't, but they can. Big churches are easier to hit. Listen, you don't need to look very far to see some big churches that have taken some catastrophic hits recently from the enemy. It takes every vessel. You know, even when we bring it down outside of church to personally, you might not feel like you have a very big vessel. Maybe your mobility is limited or your skills are limited and you've asked, what difference can I make? The answer is, you can make a difference. Might be in smaller numbers, but every single person reached is a difference made. Every time somebody is rescued from the perishing, there's a celebration in heaven. But here's the key. You can't rescue anybody from that shore if you stay in the harbour. Every vessel can make a difference from the warship to the fishing boat. But none of them will do any good if they don't leave the harbour. If they don't leave the place of safety, the place of comfort and get into enemy territory. Your small boat may be your church or your church plant. It might be you and the little you have to offer. 
Either way, it doesn't matter. The call is exactly the same. Leave the port. Head into the water. The amazing thing with these boats, some of the boats were new. Some were old. Some were in great condition. Some, you'd be amazed, were still floating. <laughs> but they all went out into the unknown with one mission in mind. Rescue whoever you can. This is a call to every ship, big or small. It is time to rescue the lost or they're not going to make it. Nobody else is coming to the rescue. There's people you know that you are the only chance they've got to hear. There is no other way out. There is no other escape and the enemy is closing in fast. Listen, I don't know how long we have left. But I feel in my core that the window is closing. Even if it's just the window on our freedom to get out there. It's closing. Time is short and every person not rescued will perish. We need a spiritual operation dynamo. And not an event. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm so bored of events. So bored of things that we do that only attract the saved. Uh, I'm not talking about something where one idea becomes the idea and everybody needs to follow this method. The method becomes the only way that will reach people. We've done all that. But the drive needs to be something different to implore, to inspire every Christian, every church to understand that their small boat, their vessel, whatever it is they have, can rescue somebody. I don't care who you are. I don't care how run down your boat is. I don't care if it's been in the dock its whole life. It can pick somebody up. And the call to God's people is, will you take whatever vessel you have and rescue somebody? Listen, you might get to the other side. You might get to Dunkirk and nobody wants to get in your boat. Well, you're not responsible for that. But you can at least get the boat to them. What is the vessel you are using? Now, I don't want to dictate what anybody does, certainly what another church does. But here we have launched what we call in house plants, or as it's changing into more Life Plus. Each one of those is a small boat being sent out to rescue somebody. These Life Plus nights that these focus around aren't just about creating new churches, although I believe that's part of it. What they're about is opening up our homes, our vessels, to the perishing and offering the hand of rescue. Now, I'm not going to say this is the only way to do it, because I just said, I don't like that. But I do feel it's the way God is leading us as a church and asking us to do. 
And I believe with this method we can reach many, many who are stranded. But it's not enough to have the vessel existing, it needs pilots. That is one of the reasons that once we finish The Chosen, we are going to open up the option to life groups. That if you have somebody invited to your life group for the first time who's not saved, you'll have access to these, to these teachings. So you could do that as a life group. We'll open that up to the life group leaders once the chosen's done. But it needs pilots. It needs people who will be willing to say, I'll do it. And I, I realize with these, it's different to what we've done before. It's different to what we're used to. It's a different way of thinking about things. But can I be frank? What we're used to and what we've done before is not getting the job done. It's not getting the job done. We've got to try doing something different. So Life Plus is something that we can all use as a vessel. But it is only one type of boat. We need as many different types of boats as the job's going to take. And what type? Doesn't matter. As long as it floats. By any means. We've got to be adaptable. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9.22, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. Here's the point. Doesn't matter how. All that matters is that some are saved. So Life Plus is an option that's available to us all as a church. Anyone can host a Life Plus night. But if not that, fair enough, what? If not that, what? What is your vessel? How are you going to rescue somebody? For they all need to hear this truth. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus died for us. And Jesus rose again on the third day. Jesus is the only solution to our sin and the inevitable death and separation that it's going to lead to. Without Jesus... There is no hope. But with Jesus, there is hope for all eternity. I had a picture, you know, that I just couldn't get away from, and a phrase that I believe God gave me, and I just can't get away from. The phrase was very simple. The phrase was this, a quiet revival. Now, I'm going to come back to that in a bit, but let me share the picture with you first. Now, I've tried my best to try and visualize this picture in a video so that you can see what was in here. But it's never going to be quite the same as it was in here. Bear with me, I've done my best. But at least you can see in part what I saw. And I saw this. I saw Teesside starting here, but then zooming out. And as I looked, I saw the whole area was in darkness. But then there was a few lights, dim and few in number, but clear. And then more popping up, starting slowly but gaining speed. And as the light spread, they began to glow brighter and brighter and brighter. Soon every area in Teesside had a light. It spread to every street. Every street had a light. And as the lights grew more numerous and as I zoomed out again, they all began to merge into one. It wasn't dark anymore. Not because of a big immediate change. But over time, 
the presence of more and more light. And that's what we need to be doing. Turning on lights in people's lives. When Karen said light and sharing lights, I thought that's exactly what I want to say. Bit by bit. And if we keep on doing that, the whole atmosphere changes. Not a big event. Not a commotion. A quiet revival. Not a huge draw where people come from all around to see the thing that is happening. Not an organized event. Not even an unorganized event. You know where there's a series of gospel meetings that were meant to last a week but then go on for months. Not that. That's all been done. Why do we keep looking backwards instead of realizing God wants to do a new thing? You know, every revival in history has been different and unique. Unique to the time and the culture that it happened in. Now, it's great to look to the past to be inspired. And we can pray, do it again, Lord. But when we pray and do it again, Lord, realize we're asking God to move again, not repeat what he's done before. Because it's not going to look like it's looked before. Because we're in a different time. We're in a different culture. Imagine with me for a moment a revival that doesn't fill an arena. That doesn't make the newspapers. That wasn't about the people who were involved in it. That didn't suddenly draw all of the big preachers in. A revival where you couldn't even pinpoint the location where it's happening. But instead, person to person, house to house, we saw a wave of people getting saved, healed, and set free. An underground revival. It's not talked about in coffee shops. Like, you don't hear somebody going, hey, did you hear what's happening at that church? No, no, instead, in coffee shops, people go, hey, did you hear? I've met Jesus. Not, have you been to see this preacher? But hey, have you met the one who's changed my life? No hype. No careers forged out of it. No personalities at the forefront. Now, I've been part, when I was working at God TV, of things that were called revivals. Some of them started in the spirit and ended in the flesh. Where someone's career or name became attached to it. When it starts becoming about a person's name or the place that it happens. Imagine for a moment something that wasn't that. It wasn't about people. It was just about Jesus. You know the greatest revival to ever take place in the world. Is the one we find in the book of Acts.
the world was transformed forever by the events that took place then. And here's the wonderful thing about the book of Acts. It didn't happen in sports stadiums. It didn't happen in revival meetings. It happened with people sharing the good news. Somebody hears Paul in the marketplace, gets saved, goes back to their hometown and says, do you want to hear about Jesus? It spread person to person. There were people preaching in, big, you know, in the marketplace, in the synagogues. But then the people who got saved took that light, went home, and passed the light on to somebody else. It's the wonderful thing about light. If I had a cake, now I want a cake. <laughs> if I had a cake and I gave Sue a piece of my cake, which I would, my cake has become diminished. But that's okay, Sue's got a bit of cake. And then I take that cake. I don't know why I'm saying this. And I gave it to Dave Shields and Dave Perry. You can sit next, I can't give one of you cake and not the other. And Jill, sorry. Unless you, I can't give you one and not the other. I've got rid of four pieces of cake. My cake is even more diminished. But the wonderful thing about light, if I had a candle and I went to Sue and lit her candle, my light has not diminished. What's happened is the light has spread. That's what the gospel should be. That's what the gospel is like. Setting lights everywhere we go. We don't diminish, but the room gets brighter. Oh, where was I? <laughs> People receiving the light and passing it on. That's how it happened in the book of Acts. That's what I see for now. Operation Dynamo, small boats, taking a light and the light spreading. But it takes all of us. The more of us who spread the light, the brighter it gets. The church needs to be back on mission. You know, we are not in the Sunday service business. Mornings like this, I'm glad. <laughs> we are not in the Bible study business. We are not in the social action business. We are not in the care business. Those are all things we do. They're all expressions of us, but none of them are the real business that we're in. None of the real mission. The mission is simple. Rescue the perishing. Save souls. Get them to Jesus. That's it. That's why we exist. We need to stop constantly defining ourselves. Man, when you read Facebook, it's like we're defining ourselves every day. We need to stop defining church. Who are the real Christians? Again and again and again. What style of worship should we do? Are we having enough of this? Are we having enough of that? We stand for this. We stand against that. It's so boring. 
We spend so much time defining the church that we forget to be the church. Turning church into something that meets our needs but not the need. Because what really matters, what really matters, church, is whether we get out there, get across the waters, and rescue whoever we can. I actually don't care about anything else that we do. I know that's not fair. I do care about everything we do. I'd be terrible if I was that. But none of that's what we're about. It's just that. We need a different take on this. The hour is late. The time has to be now. Because if not, those who are in the path of the advancing enemy will be lost. Jesus said, will be condemned. We need to do something different. You know, doing the same thing again and again and expecting different results is a definition of madness. Let me tell you, the church is kind of mad sometimes. We keep doing the same thing and expecting it to go differently. We need to do something different. That's what I know is God... We need God to do a new thing. Because the old thing is not getting the job done. (coughs) I know I keep harping on about this. Life plus is untested. It is. But we've got to try something new. I'm not content to keep doing the same thing year after year and hoping this year it will be different to last year. Are you? We can't sit and wait in the port hoping that the perishing will swim to us. We need to build a foundation on prayer. That's why prayer is being more highlighted this year. But it hasn't been highlighted enough. I believe we've been called as a church into a season of fasting and prayer. How that's going to work itself out, I don't know. We'll be chatting with the leadership on that. We need to work some things out on that. But I believe if we're going to do this, if we're going to seriously set our minds on reaching as many people as we can, we need to have a foundation of fasting and prayer. We'll announce that once we know what we're doing. But then, guys, we need to get out of port. We don't just pray. We pray and we go. How will we head out of port? I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be an event. I don't think it's going to be a method, although we are going to make tools available like Life Plus. I think we need to look as many different vessels as we can. But each of us, with whatever vessel we have, we need to rescue somebody. To tell somebody. House to house. Person to person. Spreading the light as we go.
In many ways, this message harks back to the vision from the start of the year. Certainly the naval metaphor, the foundation of prayer, the call from God to build the fleet. But I think we need to realize that the fleet, our fleet, is not a normal fleet. It is not a fleet of just battleships. It's a Dunkirk fleet full of the strangest boats you can imagine. <laughs> it is time for the little ships to make a difference. God does not care how big your boat is. He doesn't care what your capacity or your talent is. He doesn't care how big your resources are. What he cares about is whether you're willing to leave the harbour. We need every vessel we can get, every method we can get. Romans 10 verses 13 to 15 says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how were they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? Now don't limit your thinking of that word preaching. How are they to hear without someone telling them? And how were they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Church, it's time to get some beautiful feet. I hope this has set something in motion this morning in you. You mightn't have an answer to the question of what do I go with, but I think asking the question's a great start. How can I get out there? How can I reach? Listen, if you can only grab one person, that's one person who's not perishing anymore. I hope that we don't let this be something that we just sit through. I was going to say enjoy. I can't guarantee that. <laughs> something that we've just sat through. But I pray, Father God, for a change. That Lord, we will be willing to be that Dunkirk fleet that we will take whatever vessel we can to rescue some. Lord, we pray, do it again. But Lord, we are praying when we say that, do something new. Lord, I pray that, Lord, that that vision of the light growing will begin to see happening. <laughs> Our Lord, your light will spread right across Teesside. As we go and share what you've done for us.